Yeah. <laughs> it's like when they tell me they want to make red wine risotto. I'm like, stop it. Stop. <laughs> Nobody wants to eat your fucking red wine yeah, risotto. Well, you know what? Nah, it's, it's just heavy good. on top of heavy. Listen, I'm not Whatever, saying it's bro. bad, bro. I'm not saying that. No, you're that. just saying you cringe. Well, why, why do you cringe? Because it's easy. No, it's just like risotto and steak, they don't they don't belong together. Oh, okay, okay. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Okay. They didn't belong together. No, but, but people put out. them together and it, it worked, worked out. out. Yeah. It's fine. Welcome to the next episode of Pancom Podcast with your host, Mike Beltran, alongside Nicholas Jimenez, and guest starring the one, the only, Carlua. It's <laughs> our wonderful new intro. I think it's amazing. I'm super into it. We're into it. We've already started recording. Nick doesn't approve of me recording already, but we're just going to no, no, jump no. in there. You guys, I, think, I think you should do the intro. Fuck this guy. Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? So yeah, it's been a little while since we did an episode that uh, didn't have a guest on it, and that's worked out nicely, but I know that we have, uh, you know, there's some topics, you know, there's some topics that we may want to get into, and uh, we're going to go ahead and record at least a couple of episodes right now. Um, one thing that has come up in the past, by the way, yeah, you already said this, you did the intro, you did the intro I did everything. the intro. So, we're one thing that's come record. up in the past. We're recording. Yeah, we're recording. Come um, on. One thing that's come up, come up is the topic of work-life balance. So this actually came up uh, with Michael Schwartz when we did that interview. I think it came up a little bit with Norman and, and maybe even with other guests. Uh, yeah. And then actually uh, uh, at least one Redditor, which, by the way, uh, we've been getting some nice feedback on the Sheffit subreddit. Can I, I say openly I didn't know what the fuck Reddit was to about 10 minutes ago when Nick told me? Zero percent surprising. Zero. <laughs> Maybe this is part of the You're life balance right. of the work-life balance. You got to know what Reddit is. No, I don't know. You know, um, working too hard. Yeah, we decided to do this one, this uh, one-on-one episode because we figured uh, we weren't hearing me talk enough. So we figured that I would right. just talk for a full thirty minutes. Absolutely, God, love it. Anyways, I think it's a pretty important subject. This work-life balance thing, and yeah. honestly, I'm not like an authority on work-life balance because I, me myself, I work through the work-life balance a lot. Like I'm not. I'm not great at it. I'm a, a huge workaholic. It's the same thing like when we were talking to Michael and Michael was like, you know, people want to have their days off. And, and I said, like, I don't know. Why do you want your day off? I don't understand it because a lot of times, like, I don't want a day off. I just want to work. And, you know, I've gotten better at it, you know, like trying to have a balance. But um, it's it's tough. And, and it's something that you need to put a lot of effort into. I don't have the answer for it. And I think that a lot of that work-life balance thing is what leads into the mental health issue of food and beverage. And I think overall life, Absolutely. right? Just there, there's an imbalance somewhere with someone, and that's why mental health issues happen. Uh, for chefs, it's like we're masochists. We love the adrenaline push every night, and then we love to get trashed afterwards to like, to like, ooh, wow, that was great. You know, it's like a thing, and it's sick. It's like a cycle. We do it. But as, a, as an day. entrepreneur chef, do you think you're in a different? You said your employees ask you for a day off and you get pissed. Your employees aren't trying to create a vision like you are. Right? You're right. like on a different level. Yeah, they don't have the incentive. That you no, have. but I don't. I don't like get mad at them. I know. I, I want them to. I actually. I. I tell people take your days off. You know, you need two days off. It's for me personally. It's not about them. So, like, so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the for you personally because you're right. This is all coming from one person's perspective. Yes. So, and you're not somebody who, you have your experiences that inform the way you think about it, but it's not right. like you have studied the issue, I imagine. No. Right. So, let's kind of go back to 
people who listen to the podcast know that you would. Am I wrong to say you your first job in a kitchen was in Virginia? Uh, no, you are right. My first job. So interesting. Interestingly enough, I I definitely started working in restaurants because I thought it was always going to be fun, right? And um, I was working at an Applebee's at 17. I was about to turn 18. I was just in college. And, you know, I had some food experience before that, but not like working in the restaurant. Um, and, you know, it was just like a ton of fun. We were drinking every night. There was just like stuff happening, you know, like things that I probably shouldn't repeat. And I was like, man, if life could always just be this fun, right? And that's why, I mean, I went to school for four years, kind of, but I really worked in restaurants for four years while I was there. And I was like, man, this is great. I'm just going to stick with this forever. And, and, then so- that, and then that's what led to me going to culinary school. It was just like a small program. But then I had finished playing college football. And that's when the competition aspect of like my personality came out. And I just wanted to be better. And I wanted to try to be the best person in the room. And it was like, then it was just like a relentless pursuit of that. And still now, you know, like I, a, a large part of the mental health issue, I think, leads from like the you are insecure with your own food or your own outlook on food or your own ideology or your, you know, what my canvas is, is Ariette and my other restaurants. So like, I walk in here every day and I'm like, oh, that doesn't look right. Like, fuck, that looks terrible. I need to do this like that. And it's just like always second. You are never 100% satisfied. And it's like, I'll wake up at 3.30 in the morning just like, this isn't right. I need to do this tomorrow. And, and you know, it, it, that shit's never going to end until I learn how to deal with it. And I've learned better. Part of it is learning how to deal with things not being 100% I'm better. all of the time. Let's, let's talk about how you get there. So you're... You're working at an Applebee's, and that, I imagine, kind of tell me if I'm off base here, but I imagine that part of how you get to that place is things that are in you before your first kitchen job. You're a competitive person by nature. You're, you know, you want to excel at things, but then it being fun yeah, helps to kind of suck you into that. Like, it For becomes sure. not a thing you want to leave. Yeah, it's, like drugs. Drugs are fun, and they suck you in. Drinking is fun. Right. Sucks you in. So that I, adrenaline I mean, of yeah, right. and and the restaurant industry, uh, for a lot of people, for example, like servers in front of the house, they make a lot of money, and their job is relatively, you know, it's difficult in nature, but it's easy money in comparison to grinding out a career, and that's why a lot of them are just doing it while they're in school because they can concentrate and then do their career things. Yeah, you're, not, you have, you're not taking it home with you. Right. And then and then there's the lifers that end up like really adopting food and beverage. And then their approach to the job is much different. But at the end of the day, you know, that it, it'll always like suck you in. And that's why a lot of people fall into like they become a waiter for a long time because they just love the lifestyle and they love making a good amount of money and et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of freedom in it, too. Yeah. I mean, think about the guys that work at Joe's. They work eight months out of the year, nine yeah. months out of the year, there's and they're a- fucking they make six figures a year so there's a similar restaurant in new orleans called galatois it's oh like yeah that. yeah and and you know they're they don't work three months out of the year it's <laughs> fucking crazy. wild they make a lot of money and they make a lot of money good for them right good, good yeah, for yeah, them. yeah good for the restaurant yeah um but 
you know, th- that like whole trickle down from when I was in Virginia and then I went to culinary school and then I started working in like more serious restaurants. And then when I then discovered who Norman Van Aken was and then I wanted to go down that path and it was just like a, it's, it's a very like, uh, it's a lonely place sometimes because you feel almost like you're alone in your pursuit, even though there's people around you, you don't totally know if they always get you. If they're and on the same plane as you are. Yeah. They match your intensity. I've been very fortunate that, like, Gio and Matt have been on this journey with me for 10 years. So it's like, you know, their struggles may be different um, than mine, but we all kind of, we speak the same language. So that's good that I've always had people to lean on. But not everyone has that luxury, right. you know? Um, and there was times in, in the last 10 years that we haven't worked together, or now, like, 12 years, that we didn't work together that... Honestly, it was a very difficult time for me because I didn't have those support systems that I always had. So work-life balance, you have to force life. If you're like incredibly dedicated to your job, almost to a relentless pursuit, that you need to force yourself to live life. And I always tell people, I always tell people, I'm better at work than I am in regular life. Do you think you need to have that imbalance between work and life towards work? when you're really trying to get something done. It shouldn't it's be It's just that. a sacrifice should, uh, that you yeah, have to it, make. It, it, should, at least it shouldn't be that Norman's way. Norman's episode that he's mentioned, like, I was killing myself. Yeah. But if it wasn't for all that time in the kitchen and all that time doing all that work, maybe the success wouldn't have been what it was. Right. Well, and, yeah, you know, I think that it's tough because... It would be work-life fantasy to no, but, but have the, a longer-term outlook, right? The, the bigger question is, what does success look like to you? You what does success that. look like to one person? Because I can tell define. you, I ask myself that question every day and I still don't know That's what it means. Because, you know, when you're on a football team in the pros, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Overall, right. for the team. Yeah. Right? You want to be an all-pro or whatever. Those are goals. In the food industry, you're just like, it's different. There's no 401k, so retirement isn't a goal. Um, restaurant awards are a lot of times political. And they're not driven by entirely by one's talent. Um, you know, like if you don't have a PR machine behind you, if you don't have a big name, if you don't have a good amount of money behind you, you can't do the kind of things that you want to do. So it's like... The goals can change, you know? You want to open a restaurant, you open one up. That's well, one goal achieved. That's Next goal. That's an interesting point, too. Because when it came to my work-life balance, my work goal was to open Ariette, and we are now there. That was my dream. Right, what happens now? I live... I live my dream every day, and I'm very happy about that. And it's like I feel incredibly fortunate, but then I also feel very lost at the same time because it's like, what the fuck am I going to do next? You can't forget about how far you've gotten, right? Right. No, but what that, you have accomplished. Well, it, in order to give you some confidence to to meet that next goal, whatever that, it is, that like mental aspect of like um, people telling you, like, man, you're doing great. You know. That there's a little, there's a couple of screws that are fucked in your brain when you're just like, this guy's talking shit to me. Yeah. This person, they're just being sarcastic. Like they don't mean that. Or, right. Yeah, I haven't, nice. I haven't done shit. Now, I, I opened up a restaurant. How many restaurants exist out there? Yeah. Well, that's an, that's a true statement. I just, I'm just, I'm. But you're exceptional. I said, yeah, thank you. I said that, I said this to my staff a couple of days ago. We are a needle in a haystack. How can we make sure we may like the people find this needle as opposed to other ones? What separates this needle from the other ones? And do you know how fucking mind bending that is? That you have to go and like every day, 
you have to make sure that people show up. And like right now, we're in one of the slower months of the year. So it's like you automatically second guess yourself. Like, do I just fucking suck at this? <laughs> you know, it you doesn't matter how much it doesn't matter how much success you've had. Right. Because the world is fickle. Right. And they will just be like, fuck it. There's something new. Miami is that one. There's something yeah. new. We will go. And we may not come back to yours. So yeah. it's like. Uh, Same as guests as, as employees, you know, they need to have the buy-in. And you have guests that have been here, I mean, employees that have been here since you've opened. Yes. Which is a testament to the fact that you've done a good job, yeah. at least a, a satisfactory job of of conveying that message, right? That this is something special, that you, you're you on board, they yeah. see that you're on board, you're all in, you're all in for work. Yeah. And so they're going to they're gonna show up too. Hey, you know what, if Mike is, if Mike is doing it, I'm going to do it too. But you know you're not you're not lounging. Well, you know well, you're, that, you're, you're you're not uh, happy with where you are. You're always striving for more, right. or at least trying to get to the next goal, whatever that next goal is. Even well, if you can't you know find it. You know what's interesting is is that in the world of growth, right? And I, and it's like that. This is another mental struggle for like me personally. I'm a line cook. I love being a line cook. I love it. I don't want to expedite. I don't want to fucking like. I don't like an office. I have one now. I don't like it. You're a chef. Whatever. You like to cook. I like to work the line. And I like to grind it out with the team. But also, in the like, in the spirit of I want my team to grow and I want their opportunities to grow, I need to make decisions without their knowledge, right? And take meetings and, you know, uh, go research other areas and go research other opportunities and do things that they don't know. So it's like... Does my team think I'm not around enough? This is all like, and this is why work life, mental health, and the food and beverage industry is all a big fuck. Because I have nothing but respect for the people that can work 40 hours a week, get everything they want to get done, accomplished, do great at their fucking job, and not only um, be good at their job, but, you know, like be a stud in their field but i that's not me you know and and the people and if anything i feel more inclined to say that i feel responsible for the people around me that care about me because i'm not there enough for them so like not my staff or my restaurants or whatever or my career it's the people around you that really like care about you and they're the ones that see it the most, right. and they're the ones that you alienate the most. Family, and it's tough. Family and friends. Yeah. So it's tough. Is there something you had to do in order to force yourself to uh, do more life than work? Is it? Is there? You know, did you have to start working out? You have to start meditating. Was there something that you had to do? How did you? I, I imagine at some point you you realized that the work life balance was out of balance, skewed towards the work part. Yeah. What did you do, or if you do something now? To, to skew it more towards the middle or towards the life. Every day, every day, it's like a thing for me. Like, what can I do today to better to better my, my life and things of that nature? Um, I wake up at 5.45 in the morning every day to go to the gym. And I work out yes. pretty much six days a week. I see it on Instagram. Yeah, and, and that's like a big... Um, it's a thing for me because I feel like I'm doing something other than work. Um, and if I don't do that, I feel like out of balance. Now, it used to not be that way. Right. My used to, my go-to used to be much more unhealthy, which was like drinking and drugs and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, it's... 
everyone's got something different. And for me, it's still not perfect. I'm still trying to find a formula that I believe in yeah. that is really the one, the right one. Because, you know, I'm not totally imbalanced. So um, one of our first episodes was uh, with Pablo Zitzman. Yes. And it, it wasn't in the context of work-life balance. I think it was more in the context of... Um, just general running a restaurant and leading a team and, and being a chef. But one of the comments that he made that seemed to have resonated with you was about not really feeling like he had uh, that story to tell of, oh, so-and-so was my mentor. Right. I learned from seeing people do the wrong shit. Right. Um, so, you know, we were just talking about that your your go-tos and your routines weren't always so healthy. And yet, here you are. Yeah. So, the question is, suppose that you are able to like kind of go back and nudge yourself here and there. Where do you think that you nudge yourself? And where do you think it was like, you know, I needed to make those mistakes to learn the lessons that got me here? Because yeah. I think that's one of those things. Like, I think sometimes people will hear somebody like you or, you know, any of your mentors, for instance, who are, you'd agree, you know, are at another level that you're aspiring to now. Yeah. And they hear them say these things, but then it's coming from a place of like, okay, but this guy's opening his, you know, what, fourth restaurant and, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, Michael Schwartz has his James Beard Award and yeah, Mormon's a pioneer. Good, but... Like, why am I, but, how did you get here? But that's, but that's interesting. And I'm going to answer the question yeah. that you just asked, but that's also interesting because perception publicly and would like what's reality is very different not saying that these people are not successful because norman and michael are successful of course. and you know i have a fraction of the success that they have in their career and, and we could do I mean, even for uh not even as if she wasn't successful but you say I, the same thing for like eileen if eileen, eileen had eileen. that and you'd be like okay but look at finca what like whatever yeah, you did worked out yeah 100 percent. but the two things the interesting thing about um Yes, Michael, on the surface, has done extremely well. He's done very well. But that's not to say that Michael didn't struggle. You know, Michael went through a lot of years that were tough before Michael's Genuine opened. Uh, Norman has had rough patches in his career also. You know, so, yeah, I mean, if you were to look, if you just look, you're judging a book by its cover. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a very fancy book. It's a pretty book, and then you open it, and it could be fucking empty. could be nothing. You know, so there's a lot more to every story than, than just what's on the outside. And, yeah, like, I, I, am, I am, you know, we're, we're doing well, but it's, it's a lot of work. So what are the things, looking back in your own experience, that if, yeah. if you could, like, where would you maybe nudge yourself? Or where do you wish somebody had, like, dude, stop? Uh, I wish I wouldn't have drank so much when I was younger. And I wish someone would have told me something. Um. You know, but we all enable each other because we're all doing. There's not like it's interesting because this kitchen that we're in now, there's no like big, there's no there's no big drinkers, there's no people who smoke like a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. It's a very different like environment than what I came up in. Um, and yeah, it's still you know it's tough, and these guys work very hard, and um, but at the same time, like I don't see. I see the tide changing a lot in a lot of kitchens, uh, and I think it starts from the top. And I think that hopefully they, they could take a page out of my book now and not a page out of my book from five years ago. Um, and hopefully that, that leads them in the right direction. 
um, you know, like I don't, I don't allow shift drinks here and I don't allow them in any of our restaurants. Uh, they want to go out after and they want to have a drink. They're more, more than welcome to do that, but I'm not going to enable it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I wish someone would have been, a, uh, maybe I would have had some better guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think so, it's the culture changing too. Like you said, you know, there's no shift drinks. Yeah. And like Norman would say before, the kitchen that he grew up in was seemed way more cutthroat uh, and demanding yeah, yeah. than probably what you have established here. You know, yeah. it's the culture around the kitchen well, also. I, I think, it isn't I think so. It's, it's all it's all cutthroat and demanding. But I, I think that the steps in order to get there are different, and the dialogue to get there is different. I'm there is just, dialogue. I'm not berating you. And I'm not making you feel small. I'm not, I'm not doing those things. Right. I want to understand you better, and I want to help you get there, and I want you to understand why we're doing this. Right. There's it's a not, mutual kind of but exchange. It's, it's not just because it's my fucking food. Right, right. Because I've heard that for too long. It's our food. We're doing this shit together. Yeah. Like, Obviously. Right. Literally. Yes. So it's not like, just don't fuck my shit up. That has, that's not the dialogue I want. Right. I want you to understand why we're doing this. The conversation we're having with a guest. And yeah, I mean, that shit keeps me up at night too because not everyone is going to be as serious as you are. It's just the reality you need to take. Like, it's just, it's just real life. So right. let's kind of bring it back because we, you know, kind of were diverted, including me, to the unhealthy shit. Sure. But let's kind of bring it back to that balance, that work-life balance, because that means a lot of other things besides alcohol and drugs. Sure. That's all kinds of stuff. Talk a bit about, are, are there points in your career where you remember, you know, like for example, with substance abuse, I'm yeah. sure there are times you can pinpoint where it's like, okay, this is where I realized I got to do X. Can you think of times that it hit you like, I got to just not be as obsessive about this. Like I got to do something for me. About my career? Yeah, yeah, just, again, thinking strictly about that work-life balance of, of giving yourself that space of just not, you know, of recharging or whatever it is you want to call it. Because I think for everybody it kind of comes in a different form. Yeah. But maybe you just found yourself perfectly sober and still burning yourself out. Yeah. Um, man, I, I just... I never, I never drank... When, or, or anything like that while I worked, right? Because we, I mean, it was like a relentless work, you know? And when I was at um, Cyprus, and the years at Cyprus were, like, amazing. For me, professionally, yeah. from a learning perspective. This is the, the Cyprus room. The right? Cyprus room, yeah. owned by Michael Schwartz. And my chef was Roa Alcudia, which is incredibly talented. Um and man, we we worked. Roel just he had just come from New York, and it's I was a di it's a different work environment there. And man, we we worked. And there was a day, actually, when I think I was on like two and a half straight months of work, and we were closed on Sundays. But me and Roel used to come in and anyways try to get ahead of the, the thing. And um, Chris Usby, which is a uh, one of our prior guests came in and they used to come in and work at two and I had already been there for a few hours and it was like, you know, Chris is a very jovial guy and I was like, hey man, what's that? And I was like, let's just get through the day, Chris. 
And I never, ever thought I would have that kind of thing about food. I, would, I never thought that, you know, and that day always really sticks out to me because Chris, we're still, I mean, we're still very close now. And, you know, we've talked about that day because he remembers it too. I mean, he's, he knows me pretty well. So he knew that that was like, that was not, there was something that was like, I was driven too far. I used to wake up in the morning when I, when I was working there and this was a lot in the first like um, three months and just chug a five hour energy as soon as I woke up. So I could just be ready. <laughs> and it was wild, man. It was wild. I mean, I've, I've never had one of those. those. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. You got to drink them half by half. Hmm. Don't drink them all at once because, man, you will fuck it. That's okay. wild. So I've done, I've actually done some research on work life balance. Doing my master's in industrial and organizational psychology is one of the things. And some of these, a lot of these research, uh, and a lot of the research, the people who, are workaholics. Their life is work. So their work-life balance, there's no life. Life is work. And that's all they do. It's just work. And part or one of the things that they neglect, which also tends to be one of the things that gets them out of that work environment, is focusing on and tending to other relationships in their life that has nothing to do with work. Family, friends. You had mentioned before that those were the relationships that kind of suffered when you were super intense? Was there a moment that you reconnected with a, f a family member, a friend that helped you kind of balance yourself out or are there relationships yeah, I mean, now that kind of yeah, help I mean, you meeting, meeting my fiance now? I mean, that changed a lot of my life um, to just change your focus out of work away yeah. from work. Well, you know, and also working with my current business partner, Uh, I mean, that our work relationship has been so good for me because he's taken so many things off my plate for me to be able to focus on other things. Um, you know, I mean, that those have been big, big things. Right. So, yeah, but, you know, like my personal balance has changed a lot in the last two years, but it's still like, I would never say it's balanced. Of course. You know, yeah. What's the balance? There's no well, what guiding. Is, what does balance principle. mean to you? Exactly. What does it's balance mean everybody. to me? Like it's, it's all perspective. Like right. I, I felt like I was pretty good. I was pretty balanced. And then, you know, when I think about my work week, I'm just like, shit, I haven't taken a day off in three and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, fuck. So <laughs> just relaxed. So uh, we talked about doing a couple of like half yeah. hour. So yeah. we're coming well, let's up wrap, on here. Let's wrap this. But I, the last thing I want to ask. Sure. Uh, you know, because we've been talking about your experience. Yeah. And in past episodes, we've had people who mentored you. Yeah. Is there an instance thinking about work-life balance in whatever form that you found yourself in a position to like you spotted a guy making a mistake you made and you saw an opportunity to step in and... You know, give them a talk. Maybe, you know, without naming names, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I do that pretty often now. Yeah. And, you know, not just people on my staff. Like, I, I'm open with, if people want my advice, I, I, I will tell them. And, you know, it's happened a good amount. And a lot of it has to do with, like, um, people who just... The thing about working in a kitchen is very, like, monotone. Like, you do the same thing. 
right. it's repetitive and you do it every day and you do it every day and you do it every day and you just kind of like you feel like you're a cog in the machine and then you just become kind of like lax and it's like then your brain starts to like shut down and and it's a it's again it's a huge mind fuck you know so it's getting with guys on the team and talking to them talking them through that like what are you feeling right now what do you want to do to improve how can i help you get there and just hearing them out um and i feel like i do do that a lot do do that do a lot i think understanding the why too like why you're doing this you're there doing the same thing over and over and over again and you're doing it to to provide people with a phenomenal culinary experience and you are a you meaning the person on the line are an integral part in that experience. Right. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why you come in in the morning. That's why you prep. That's why you're here at night. That's why you're going through the motions. That's why you're doing what you're doing. And you, being the chef owner, have a lot to do with keeping that a priority in people's minds. Like, hey, you know, this isn't, you're not just here doing it over and over again for nothing. Like, right. look, look what you're helping to build. Right. It's a team effort. I couldn't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We're doing it all together. And look what it's happening, right? Sure. We're, we are successful. People are happy. People do enjoy the food. I think that also helps to at least balance out the, okay, this is why I do it. You know, you see someone enjoying the fruits of your labor. That's, yeah. there's something there. I think work-life balance is a constant thing. And I think it's something that just needs to be talked about every day. And I think it's, it's a, a work in progress. You know, every person in their journey is a work in progress. So I have zero of the answers. But I do know that for me personally, I I know and it's a it's a thing I think about every single day. Every single day. Because it's like, how can I improve this about myself? But I have no answer. So there's that. And now a word from our sponsor. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to throw in uh, this episode. Is sponsored. If you no, ever we don't want a moment of tranquility, yeah, we have the tea company for you. Jojo Tea, based right here out of Miami, Florida. Ooh. Headed up by Mike Ortiz. Go to JojoTea.com. I think. Sip Jojo. <laughs> Sip Jojo. Sip Jojo.com. S-I-P-J-O-J-O.com. Hashtag, this is a paid-for advertisement by Jojo jo jo Tea. They named it twice. <laughs> Jojo Tea. Uh, all right, so yeah, that concludes this uh, we'll call it a mini episode of Bang Kong Podcast with Michael Beltran. Joe's coffee, but a cup of Jojo. Ah. And uh, you can find us at datemag.com slash Podcast. All the social media things at Podcast. Um, go back to past episodes. Listen to them. Subscribe. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, Facebook. Uh, tweet us. Instagram things. Become um, supporters on Patreon. Become supporters on Patreon for as little as a buck a Whatever month. Whatever Patreon is, do that thing. Yeah, do that thing. You don't know. For as little as a dollar a month. Get on the chef. For as little as a dollar a month, you stuff. can help support this podcast. All the things. One dollar a month is more than enough. Exactly. Sure. So, we nice will uh, we'll be back another time. We're going to turn these things off and then turn them right back on and record another thing. We can edit it Thank you.